Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Welcome to episode 274 of Geek Town Radio. I'm back this week with... Kitty, kitty, kitty. Bex, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you doing today? I'm very, very well, thanks. It's been a fairly slow news day today. It's as if America has something else to think about at the moment. But, uh, you know, we've got lots of news to get through. Uh, before we get to that, what have you been up to recently? I did a couple of streams, which you may have seen me talking incessantly about on my social medias and things, because yes. those streams for a little company called uh, Sega. You might have heard of them. Yes, I saw you've been doing yeah. those. What have you been doing for <laughs> Sega? I've done two streams for Sega now, and uh, those are up on the Steam front page as well, which wow. was pretty crazy yeah. when you see things figures like 20,000 people concurrently watching. That's quite an interesting one. Uh, the first stream I did, we were playing all of those mini games they released as freebies for the Sega 60th anniversary, which awesome. were really good fun. Yeah. Really, really good fun. Sort of like reskin of a couple of levels of Streets of Rage 2 as a Yakuza character-based game and and things nice. like that. The unreleased internal demo version of uh, a Golden Axe sequel that they were planning at one point. So huh. that was good fun. And then yesterday they invited me if I wanted to do another stream. I said yes without asking what they wanted me to play. <laughs> when I clarified that, turned out I shouldn't have admitted I hadn't played the DLC for Alien Isolation. <laughs> oh dear, what a shame. So yeah. you've got to go back and do more Alien Isolation. Oh dear, what a pity. I had to play the DLC for Alien Isolation, which is called Crew Expendable, where you can play as the original Ripley. It's kind of a, a side mission as if it had occurred during a uh, part of the film's narrative near the end of the first film and the xenomorph is really aggressive in that dlc wow <laughs> i should have placed it on an easier setting because literally that thing was grabbing me out of vents and there was very few places to hide and because it's a, a short campaign you, you don't have access to all the resources you normally do and uh, it was quite terrifying jump scares were on so that was terrifying also being the halloween weekend occasionally people were letting fireworks off outside of my house of course yes which the audience couldn't hear but i could so occasionally i appeared to jump at absolutely nothing <laughs> um, because i'd hear this kind of bang in the distance and think it was like the xenomorph jumping down out of a vent in the game it wasn't it was my neighbors letting off a poorly timed firework that was good fun so a little bit of dream come true situation there because i you know my first consoles were were sega ones the first ones i owned myself uh, before that i only got to play on neighbors ones so I, I was very much a Sega fangirl as a kid. And uh, yeah, that was pretty surreal to be doing some some work for them. And uh, at the other end of the spectrum, I've also started playing Chrono Trigger, which is a, a SNES RPG. I don't know if you've ever played that one. I haven't. I do know the name, though. Yeah, it wasn't released over here, but it, it's a lot funnier and a lot sort of kind of cuter and cleverer than I realized. It's got lots of really nice game mechanics and you jump backwards and forwards in time. I have foolishly used the power of democracy in this game, though, and I've been putting all of the major decisions to my viewers to make live on air. So whether we sort of take good paths, bad paths, run off with things rather than return them to their original owners, uh, 
Uh, also, I've let my viewers name all of the characters. <laughs> right. So I am currently a level seven idiot <laughs> in Chrono Trigger. Well, and, uh, I mean... my, my geeky companion is called Velma. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it goes along these kind of veins. Uh, there is a frog type character that's called Kumut because there, there wasn't <laughs> enough characters to add the eye in. Um, <laughs> Excellent. But literally everywhere I go in the game, you know, text just appears on screen when I meet a new character that says, idiot, what are you doing here? <laughs> idiot, take the princess to the castle. <laughs> so that's proving to be probably funnier than the original developers intended it to be. Well, and yes. uh, proves without a doubt why so often nowadays you're not allowed to name your characters in computer games, I think. <laughs> yes, that is true. I mean, it makes for entertainment, but you know. <laughs> so yeah, that's most of the things I've been playing at the moment. I haven't had enough time to watch anything new on TV, which has been driving me absolutely crazy. I did rewatch Akira recently, though. Ah, that yes. That was on in a, a very, very socially distanced, very carefully done IMAX showing. Yes, I saw you posted about that. I uh, I haven't ventured the, out the to the cinema. the first time but... I've gone anywhere since... Uh, I think I think I've left my postcode twice since, since March, and um, <laughs> I did venture a little way, but obviously this was all quite late in the evening, so there was, you know, nobody on any of the uh, transportation I was on at the time had carriage to myself on the train and things. And uh, yeah, Good. remastered version of Akira shown in full IMAX and just phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal to see. So not a new thing, but uh, something that is a very different experience to see in, in the cinema. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great thing to be able to see in IMAX as well. I mean, Akira is one of the few anime things I've actually seen as well. So <laughs> I'm terrible at uh, for not keeping up with anime things. But yes, that is a brilliant film. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it is quite a, a, a seminal, amazingly put together film. The soundtrack is incredible. And to hear the soundtrack in that full IMAX style surround audio with the, the remastered, beautiful, beautiful hand-drawn animation and things mm. was a very much uh, immersive, surreal experience in a lot of ways because it is such a affecting film with its weird dreamlike sequences and mixing between looking at the biker gangs that rose up after the, the Second World War and the, the troubles that, that they had with the divide between the young and old parts of culture and imagining a future post-war situation and what might happen there combined with these kind of like near supernatural elements of what happens with giving human beings too much power for their brains to be able to deal with. And it's a very powerful film and it's it's very beautiful visually. And that soundtrack is just, even not watching the film, just listening to the soundtrack on itself mm. has a very profound effect on people because it's just so wonderfully put together and imaginatively made so yeah really pleased that I got the chance to see that and um, I'm fine with that being the only thing I've been able to see at the cinema for the whole year yeah no I mean I've not even done that I haven't ventured near a cinema since we got locked down the first time so <laughs> I've been missing the cinema a bit it's not like I went lots but I have been missing it I think it's just some things are designed for that experience some things it doesn't matter so much if you watch them on a small screen and, and things like that most people consume media or on their mobile phones nowadays but yeah. some things are just very much designed to be you know on a large screen with a with a full surround system um, like some music is very much designed to be listened to live and things like that as yeah. opposed to being on your yeah I, I was about to say like walkman then upgrade to ipod i should probably also just say phone um, <laughs> <laughs> i've just moved through three Showing decades your age, of uh, audio based <laughs> media there just yeah i'm sure walkmans will come back round again you know Betamax is definitely for the win and um, <laughs> it was nice to be able to do that I mean I won't be going to see anything else uh, at no. the cinema this year but that was something that they were very reassuring was going to be a socially distanced experience everyone wore masks the whole time and Good. and things like that and they had you know Tannoy sort of announcements and things saying when we were allowed to leave on our row and stuff like that so wow. props to them it was still quite strange to be that far from home yes it's not that far but it still felt very strange and then watching what is, you know, by all means, a, a strange film in some ways, um, probably added to 
that slightly surreal feeling. Yeah, I can imagine it, it would do. And uh, yeah, I mean, I've, I'm pretty much the same. I haven't been pretty much out of my postcode since this all started. So, uh, you know, but what is nice is they've found ways of releasing new films for home release. There's lots of new TV coming out and bits and pieces. So, you know, we're, we're still getting stuff, which is good. We are. The film where I am an extra in is coming out soon as well. Nice, nice, which good. Which is uh, the the Polybius Heist, which is the latest film by Ashens, yes. famed YouTuber, purveyor of all things Poundland, comedian, retro <laughs> expert, and all the other things that he is. His second film after The Quest for the Game Child, which is up for free on YouTube still, I believe, the first film, cool. um, is available sort of as a pre-order so that we can all watch it live streamed at the same time. Nice. I think that's up now. Uh, so I shall be playing Spot the Me <laughs> whilst enjoying that. And the chunk of the film I, I have seen uh, is very, very funny. Good. I shall keep an eye out for that. Do you know when that's released or? You can pre-order it now and I think it's the it's the 9th or the 19th. Right. It's definitely got a nine in it. I'll say that and it'll be like the 12th or something, but I'm pretty sure it's got a nine in it, but it's out this month. <laughs> okay, cool. I keep an eye out for that anyway. So I haven't been watching any films recently, but there is quite a lot of sort of genre stuff back now. Uh, biggest one, of course, being The Mandalorian, which returned this week. It's as good as the first season was. It's pretty much a straight continuation from where we left off. It's interesting, now I know how they've done all the CGI, trying to sort of spot where they've used the volume, which is the big virtual background, and you still can't see it. I mean, it still looks ridiculously impressive. There's some great things in that opening episode. It takes place back on Tatooine and has some very interesting surprises that uh, come out of that episode as well, including an interesting little cameo at the end, which I think is going to carry on moving forward. It's used some characters out of the novels as well. It's really well put together. Somebody described it, I saw online, as it basically being like a, a really good video game RPG where he's got this central quest line that he has to do, but keeps on getting distracted by these little side quests along the way <laughs> do you think it's the perfect description of how the first season went and it was the same with this you know he'd still got the child with him it's aka baby yoda he's trying to get the child returned to its own kind but has no idea where to look so he's trying to meet up with a, another member of the bounty hunters guild to maybe use their network to see if he can move forward but ends up turning up at this town and they have a problem which he has to try and help them with to get more information essentially so it becomes this kind of side quest it's so well done uh, but i can see why the comparison to like a really high-end rpg but uh, really worth watching it's totally worth the disney plus subscription it's coming out weekly so uh, if you don't want to kind of do that then just wait for like 10 weeks until it's all out and then just get a subscription for a month which is like 5.99 for the month do that binge through it and then turn it off again it is well worth getting did you end up seeing all of season one i still haven't i still haven't i just ha i haven't had time i still haven't seen season two of the boys ah, yeah. i'm yeah i i need to get hold of uh, you know just just yeah as you say wait till things are finished airing and then buy a, a one month subscription to things but yeah it's finding the time mm. to actually watch things i'm so behind on absolutely everything avoiding spoilers is my current favorite game <laughs> yes that gets progressively more difficult like with the mandalorian the problem with doing this sort of job is i have news feeds set up for information as it kind of comes in and with the mandalorian it's like well i'm gonna have to watch it first thing on the morning because otherwise i'm gonna be completely screwed yeah and all just the fact that people make gifs and memes of uh, yeah. baby yoda slash the child nobody calls it the child they need to just accept it's called baby yoda yes. so you just you know trying to avoid seeing all of those things is, is actually quite difficult because everyone likes Baby Yoda even if they don't watch The Mandalorian and yes. shares the gifts and images. I can't believe they, they weren't more prepared for that being a massive selling thing when the first season went out because it's sort of blatantly obvious that that was going to be a hugely popular 
a toy at the end of it. But and there was yeah, I was quite surprised to hear that they were surprised by the success and immediate attention that it got because it looks like if you were going to design something yeah. because you want to sell the highest amount of merchandise ever for something connected to Star Wars, that's what you design. That's, yeah. You know, I was looking at it thinking, ah, oh, yeah, they've seen how well you know, like all the baby type characters did for like sort of like you know Guardians of the Galaxy and stuff yeah. like that. You know, it's you, you make cute baby versions of things, you sell a million things, pop figures fly off the shelves of them, and yeah, I assumed it was intentional, and the fact it wasn't is just incredibly surprising from a company and a franchise that makes most its money through merch. Yeah, I found that quite amazing, but you know, it's great that it's back. There is a lot of nice little callbacks in that first episode, not only just to the first season, but also to the wider franchise. They're doing such a good job with that show. It's really, really solid. Over on uh, the other star, Star Trek, Discovery is now on its third episode. I've been really, really enjoying that. That's been very solid. The opening couple of episodes, you see Michael arrive in the future because they're now in the future for reasons which I won't go into. And then you see the second episode is is, um, Discovery arriving in the future and how they kind of eventually hook back up together. So this has been the first episode where we really had the whole crew in one place and we're getting to find a little bit more about this wider world that they're now in because something has happened to the Federation. There has been some event. We don't know exactly what caused it. We know what the outcome of it was, but we don't know exactly what caused it. But the Federation has kind of vanished in this timeline. So it's sort of interesting seeing where they're kind of going with that. And, uh, you know, of course, because they're so far in the future as well, they're able to update bits of the technology. So we're seeing slightly new versions of things that we knew quite well, which is really interesting. And uh, their ship, of course, is seen as an antique as well, because it is basically, but everything's still brand new. So uh, they've got lots of interesting things to play with. And um, it's just nice to see that everybody kind of back together. It's really nicely written. There's some wonderfully funny lines. The bickering between Tig's character and Stamets is so beautifully put together. I love Stamets as a character. He's just hilarious on that. And uh, the yeah, the, the bickering between those two characters I thought was absolutely wonderful. It's well well worth watching the third season. I know it's, it's not as Star Trek as some people may like, but, you know, you've got Picard, you've got Strange New World coming. There are other things out there. As a standalone thing, I still think it works brilliantly. Did you watch any of the first season of this? I know you won't be caught up. I've watched the first two and I liked bits of both seasons for different reasons but it did seem like as it went on they were starting to find their feet a little bit more with the tone of things so I liked the plot of the first season but the tone of the second season and I'm hoping that now kind of these things are merged because they definitely seem to be kind of figuring out what they wanted to do and how they wanted to use the characters as it went on. So I'm willing to give this third season a go as well. And I think it's interesting and probably a good choice for them to throw it far enough into the future that it doesn't impact on any events that happen in the wider schema of the uh, canon and universe, because it just gives them more freedom, especially since they want it to be a little bit aside and a little bit different from other Trek. So yeah, throw it into the future where nothing they do has consequence on the current other shows just seems like a sensible choice. So I would like to give this one a try as well and uh, see if I like it better than the other ones. But there's a couple of characters I really really like and I kind of want to see how those bits of the plot develop for sure yeah they've got some really good characters in that show and uh, they've introduced some couple of new interesting ones as well and I I like the setup they've gone for with the the future thing because you could have very easily had you know just updated future versions of Federation stuff and I like the fact that they've gone in a very different direction with this because we're going to see more of that Federation stuff at various different points as we move down the line you know we've seen bits of it with Picard you know so we, we're we going to see that sort of normal 
Federation stuff. I like the fact that they've got an entirely kind of shop right turn direction for this. Gives them more freedom to play with it. I think it's working really well. A couple of other things this week. There was a reveal by the CW that they revealed the new Batwoman suit because, of course, we have a new Batwoman who needs a new Batwoman suit. And HBO Max revealed the Red Hood costume for the Titans series as well because we knew previously we were getting Red Hood in that as well. You've seen the photos for these. What do you reckon? I'm not even going to query the timey-wimeyness of how Red Hood is in Titans and things because let's just not. I've stopped asking any questions about what's going on in some of the current DC TV series. I think the the costume is, is pretty cool. It reminds me of something that would be like if there was another Arkham game. It's got that kind of feel to it. I think with the kind of like the the jacket over the top and stuff, it reminds me very much of an Arkham game style costume. I mean, I'm assuming that you're already currently sewing uh, well, well, a new yes. cosplay of that. Of course, because I mean, Red Hood is my go-to cosplay. And I mean, it's not a million miles away from what he's actually got because it's a chest plate and he's got like a, a Red Hood underneath, which is something that I use on mine. It's basically, a, it's a hoodie, essentially. It's a red hoodie. Then the brown leather jacket. Then it's got tactical pants and sort of boots and knee guards and the double gun holsters and the motorbike helmet red hood. So it's not a million miles away from what I actually already have. I mean, it's done in a slightly higher quality, I think it's fair to say. But um, I mean, it's exactly what I would have expected it to be really that's it's pretty much ripped out of the pages of the comic book that with the addition of of the sort of red hoodie which mm. he hasn't had in the comic books it's not dramatically different to what you've seen no, it's always been a reasonably yeah gritty type costume mm. so i've no no bad words to say about it i always query like you know usage of an actual hoodie hood on a costume because they tend to obscure your peripheral vision as somebody who's nearly walked into things wearing <laughs> their hood up um, well, so I, I, I query the sensibleness on that one. But apart from that, I guess it's quite handy in winter. You're going to blame you walking into things on the costume. <laughs> yeah, well, it definitely doesn't help if I can't see things. It just makes it twice as likely. Uh, the dyspraxia is obviously the other reason. And uh, looking at the, the Batwoman costume, I quite like that as well. I like the kind of interesting shape they've got kind of on the, the, the high neckline and stuff. The kind of usage yeah. of two textures to give it a much more kind of dynamic feel um the slightly darker it looks like they've put a gradient on the cape and i love the highlights in the hair as well i think that's quite nice because they are making of course their own batwoman for this this is not one from the comic books this is a straight up original new creation and i think you can see that she's clearly batwoman she's got the same color scheme and um yeah she would fit right in in the comics there i think that's a design Mm. that works really nicely and yeah i'm expecting to see a lot of cosplays of that one yeah i would think so i I expect so too and I mean I'm glad they've gone for natural hair this time because I mean they freely admit that they really didn't get the hair right with Ruby Rose's version of it it was a red wig and it was not a particularly good red wig that they used so they've gone with natural hair this time which mm, is much just much with better. little red highlights which I think is a very kind of wearable type yeah. style as well it just kind of ties it into the costume in a, a little like flashes of red in the underneath of the hair gives it a little bit of draw I think it's, yeah, I think it's a really nice costume. I think it's a very wearable costume and will fit in perfectly with any other DC stuff. And I, yeah, I'm expecting to see a lot of people buying red capes and then some black dye and trying to create that kind of slightly yeah. sort of like interesting, dirty looking gradient that they've gone there. Yeah. Um, I think that's pretty cool. I think it's a nice blend of different elements from the comic books and it should work nicely on, on screen. Yeah, it's really nice what they've done with it. And they, they wanted to keep the natural hair because they said it was important that you knew it was a woman of colour that was actually in the outfit and it wasn't the same so they wanted to keep the natural hair for it as well Um, what will be interesting like you say she's got these red highlights in it now I would argue that's going to be a dead giveaway if she's always got the red highlights in or is it going to be one of the things like Mr. Terrific on Arrow where he magically could do his cornrows in like five minutes of being told to suit up I think having red highlights is pretty common hairstyle yeah I, mean, I think maybe as well you're probably only true. going to see Batwoman if she's about to kick you in the face that so querying well. who her hairdresser was is probably the last of your <laughs> mm. your th- thoughts there 
but it makes a nice silhouette as well because you've yeah. got there's this mirror going on with the dark hair to the red at the ends in a kind of interesting not straight up gradient but just a little highlighty way yeah. and then her cape's doing the same thing going from dark to red and the cape is obviously a similar shape to her hair being down like that so I think it's very cleverly done and quite striking but I don't think in a world where we've got people dressed up and bats running around that someone's going to query a couple of red highlights no no so I hope she has the highlights all the time and they don't do yeah. one of these things of like like I say that was always the thing that made me laugh with Mr. Terrific was the ghost suit up and he'd go from having this kind of quite large afro hairstyle to having cornrows within like five minutes every time and you're like well obviously he just serious. got the flash to do his hair yeah That's well maybe, was, maybe that was it maybe you just called Barry every single time uh, I, I'm assuming so yeah. <laughs> so uh, so yeah so those if you've not seen the photos for those they are up on the website just go and have a look if you if you just google or, the, or go onto the website and search for that woman you'll find it up on there or Red Hood you'll find it up on there yeah and they've given multiple shots presumably just to help cosplayers because they've purposefully given you like side on shots and yes. the cool atmospheric shots and things so you can see lots of the details for anyone that does want to start putting together these costumes they definitely have taken these photos with that in mind I think yes I think they probably have but they look great so um, I'm looking forward to that I'm really interested to see where it goes with uh, the new Batwoman and uh, Red Hood showing up in Titans is a little weird they've changed the reason that he becomes Red Hood because I think just don't question Titans uh, at this point it will make your head hurt (laughs) I'm sort of okay with that I'm interested to see what they do with it it it, it seems a valid enough reason I guess but they're moving to Gotham for the next season as well and there so you're going to have more Gotham villains in it which I think will help I'm a bit concerned about the number of characters in that show because they didn't manage to deal with the amount of characters they had in season two so that is a bit of a worry but we'll, we'll see we'll see whether they kind of manage to tighten things up a little bit one other thing I wanted to mention this week was I did an interview and it is possibly been my favorite interview of the year legendary voice actor Jeff Bergman who the name you might not know but he is one of the voices of Bugs Bunny Yogi Bear Fred Flintstone a whole bunch of other characters for Hanna-Barbera and Warner Brothers he also does Trump and Biden from My Cartoon President the Showtime series which airs on Sky Comedy over here I did about a 20-30 minute interview with him he's really funny there's loads of voices on there it's so weird interviewing Bugs Bunny suddenly you're talking to the guy and suddenly this voice comes out and you're like this is so strange so it's a really funny interview it's really fun to listen to you can find that in the stream as well if you because the interview streams go out in the same stream as the uh, Geek Town Radio podcast so uh, if you've not listened to that yet go back and listen to it because it is really really good I had such fun talking to him I really enjoyed that one so uh, that but that's the uh, Jeff Bergman interview so go and check that out if you've not listened to it yet that's all the stuff we've been doing this week let's move on to some TV and film news it's that time of the year your vacation is coming up you can already hear the beach waves feel the warm breeze relax and think about work you really really want it all to work out while you're away monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind when all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. TV and film news this week. We'll start off with the renewals, cancellations and pickups as ever. The cancellations first. Two things gone which uh, haven't aired over here yet and are less likely to do so now. One of them is the uh, Kim Cattrall series which was called Filthy Rich and the other one was a sort of sci-fi thing to do with sentient AIs called Next which looked really interesting but uh, Fox have opted to cancel both of them after, well, less than one season. I mean, I think Filthy Richard had like five episodes and Next had had three episodes go out, which seems like a ridiculous quick turnaround for cancelling something even by Fox's standards I, I'm not sure what the reasoning was whether it was just numbers but uh, yeah I mean I, that's unfortunate that they've both gone so quick the other one that got cancelled this week which has aired over here was um, Brave New World which was cancelled after one season by Peacock who are the network that commissioned it in America they are trying to sell it around to other networks but that doesn't 
work very often so we'll see whether anything comes of it but um i rather suspect that has gone now peacock being a streaming service they don't release their numbers so we don't know whether it was just viewing figures but i rather suspect it was the cost of producing it versus the amount of people that watched it because it was probably quite an expensive show to produce because there was a lot of vfx work and sets and all that sort of stuff for it it was likely to get more expensive in its second season i think they were hoping for something that was going to be kind of Westworld Game of Thrones level and it, it just isn't that. I thought it was very enjoyable though. I mean it was a, it was an interesting adaptation of the Aldous Huxley book but um, yes sadly not to be and it, it does work as a kind of self-contained thing as well so it is worth watching for that one season unfortunately we're not going to get any more of that on the renewal side they've renewed Narcos Mexico for a third season it's got a new showrunner as well the uh, guy that has been running it since well since the original Narcos has uh, decided to move on to some other projects because he's got I think an overall deal with Netflix so he's moving on to some other things um, one of the other exec producers that's been involved with the show for a very long time he's stepping up so this there are some minor changes there is a change in cast as well but that will be very apparent to anybody that's watched the second season of narcos mexico as to why that change happened not to spoil anything for anybody i don't want to give anything away but yes there is a change in one of the main cast who won't be appearing in the third season and uh, if you've seen the second season you probably know who that is and know why ted lasso which is the apple tv series that's been renewed for a third season and the Babysitter's Club has been renewed for a second season by Netflix as well. Moving on to some air dates, obviously with coronavirus being around, they have been messing around with the air dates quite a lot in the US. CBS has announced that uh, a bunch of their shows are going to have shortened seasons. That includes NCIS Los Angeles, The Neighbourhood, which hasn't aired over here, Bluebirds, Magnum PI, NCIS and NCIS New Orleans so all the NCISs are going to have shortened seasons NCIS LA and the neighbourhood chopped down from 22 episodes to 18 Bluebirds Bull Magnum NCIS and NCIS New Orleans and SEAL Team have all been reduced to 16 episodes each and they were usually 20 to 24 episodes so that's quite a substantial cut for those they're still working out what they're going to do with things like FBI FBI Match Wanted SWAT Young Sheldon Mum and a few of the other shows as well they haven't worked out exactly how many episodes they're going to be but the chances are they won't be full runs either the main reason for cutting them is cost more than anything else cost and time so they've all started a lot later than they would have done they're all a month or six weeks behind going on air in the u.s but on top of that the coronavirus stuff is adding something in the region of anywhere from like a hundred to like three hundred thousand dollars to the cost of producing an episode that's for giving the PPE out, all the testing, just literally the extra time it takes to film because, you know, you everybody's got to be social distancing. So things just setups are taking longer and all that sort of thing. It's just the overall cost of production has shot up massively because of the virus and they need to make a cost saving somewhere. So the sensible thing to do is to chop the amount of episodes down. That's basically it. Um, not really watching any of these shows, I'm fairly sure. So I don't think it'll make much difference to you. No, they're not things that I've been I've not been watching anything at the moment but they are on top of my list of things no. to catch up on I think it's probably a very good decision though to try and make a lower number of high quality episodes mm. anyway I mean they can take away any episodes that would have been filler and tighten things up so it could result in some really well put together seasons yeah that's the thing I mean 24 episodes which some of them had even 22 episodes is a lot to fill out I actually don't think that they necessarily will suffer by being cut down there will be a lot of filler episodes in that and you might lose some sort of fun bits and pieces but i mean in most cases their procedurals bluebirds bull magnum all the ncis's seal team slightly less so but they're all procedurals in some way so there's not actually that much that changes season to season you know there will be a sort of overarching thing but it allows them to pull out certain, some of the episodes that maybe weren't quite as interesting as some of the others so we'll see what what they do but uh, yeah they're, they're pretty much down to either 18 or 16 episodes for those over on the CW they have announced return dates in America for their shows now we already knew that all their stuff had got moved to January so all their new season stuff had got moved to January we've now got a few dates 
Knights and uh, Batwoman, which we were just talking about, the new season of that, is leading the pack of the Arrowverse shows or Belantiverse shows or whatever we're referring to it now. They're actually uh, putting Batwoman out on January 17th. That's going out way, way ahead of all the others. That's going to come out first and just go through the Arrowverse shows first. So that's coming out on January 17th. Black Lightning is coming out February 8th and The Flash and Superman and Lois are coming out both on February the 23rd. No date for Legends yet, so I don't know whether that's going to get slotted in at some point or whether that's going to run afterwards. I'm not entirely sure yet, but they've really spread those out and I don't know whether that's because of episode counts and they're going to end up doing the same sort of thing if they're going to have short seasons, whether they just wanted to give the new Batwoman a bit of run out in front. I'm not sure. Interesting that they've separated them out quite that much because usually they start within a couple of weeks of each other. In terms of some of the other shows, Riverdale, that returns on January 20th. So that is the one that we can say is very likely to air on the 21st over here because it's always aired next day on Netflix unless they've changed the deal. Nancy Drew, which hasn't aired over here, is also coming out on the 20th for its second season. New show Walker, which is Jared Padlecki's new show, that's starting on the 21st of January. Legacies, which bizarrely has never aired over here and is now on its third season, which is the Vampire Diaries series. That's starting on the 21st as well. Charmed is back on the 24th of January as well. That's the other one. Don't know when these are going to land in the UK. Presumably with Flash and Superman and Lois starting so late, we don't know that Sky will have Superman and Lois, but assuming that they do, that and Flash, if they're not starting until the 23rd of February, chances are it's going to be March before we see those. Black Lightning, we know Netflix changed the deal on that, so it's going to end up coming as a box set after the season had aired, so that'll be later on in the year. Batwoman will be as soon as the people at E4 rise out of their drunken stupor and decide to randomly schedule things, and we don't know when that will be. That's assuming they even are going to air the second season and, it, and they haven't decided to ditch it. We absolutely know nothing about the second season of Batwoman airing over here at the moment. I'd be interested to see what else gets picked up this time around. I mean, Legacies really seems like an obvious thing that somebody should pick up. Walker, I think, given that it's Jared Padalecki, I would have thought somebody would take. We'll have to wait and see. Are you looking forward to the Arrowverse returning finally? Yeah, I'm still quite behind on the Arrowverse, but I would like to catch up with it and I feel that the next time I get to do some binge watching there's going to be a phenomenal amount of things to add to that so yeah that would probably be the one that's the most of interest to me what's your favourite series at the moment of the Arrowverse it's still Legends I thought it might be I I just love Legends it's won everyone's heart isn't it Legends yeah it's so silly but plays into the silliness and is fourth wall breaking at times about like when they were in the crossover episodes you had the characters going oh man they didn't get roped into a crossover again did they you know so it's there's stuff like that in it which i just the self-awareness just is very funny and i think it gives it longevity because some of the other series is it just got to the point where the fact the characters weren't commenting on how ridiculous some things sort of was became conspicuous as that's what a normal human would do by that point so legends just threw themselves fell at it i do want to see superman and lois though that's uh I, I was quite a big fan of, uh, you know, the, the, the adventures of uh, Clark and Lois back in back yes, in the day. me too. I love that show. I think the CW are exactly the people that could recapture. I mean, I know they're not, you know, remaking that show or anything like that, but it just, just makes me a little bit nostalgic. And yeah. it's just something I associate with being weirdly like any any of the kind of Clark Kent and, and Clark and Lois comics I always thought were quite boring. But the TV show was just delightful. And yeah. I think the CW can recapture a similar matter. Yeah, I hope so. Because the other thing that is missing off this list is Supergirl. That was always going to start a little bit later anyway. Because of Melissa's pregnancy, they'd arranged that that was going to start a little bit later anyway. So uh, I think maybe it's possible that you're going to get Flash and Superman and Lois first, and then maybe you'll get Legends and Supergirl together possibly later on. So we'll have to wait and see what happens 
with that, but uh, they've not announced a date for Supergirl yet either. A couple of other air dates which might be of interest to people. The Magicians Season 5, which has never premiered over here, that is finally landing on uh, Amazon Prime Video in the UK on the 26th of November, if you want to catch that. That's the fifth and final season of that show. And they've announced American Gods Season 3 is arriving Monday the 11th of January 2021. That will be landing on Amazon Prime as well everywhere, excluding the US, obviously, because it airs on um, is it AMC, I think, or Showtime. I can't remember. One of those networks over there. That will be coming to Amazon Prime in the UK. I, I've got to get through the rest of the second season. They kind of dropped the ball a bit with the second season, and I enjoyed the first season. Second season, not so great, but they already knew that they dropped the ball with the second season season i'm interested to see what they do with the third uh, i will try and catch up with it fairly soon but uh, yes there is that incoming as well moving on to other news stories netflix are developing a live action assassin's creed series thoughts on this that's gonna be expensive yes that's my first thought because assassin's creed it's known for having quite varied detailed historical exotic different locations and also absolutely phenomenal complicated costuming that's the two things i think of with the assassin creed games it's going to be expensive but if it's done well yeah i think it could be really really good yeah firstly yes the two people that i think will be definitely vying to uh, get gigs on this show are the costume designer because that's going to be an absolute dream for them because because the amount of things, mm. I mean, the chances are that they're not going to set it all in one history. So you may get it in, I don't know, ancient Greece in one season. You may get it in, well, Valhalla, which is the latest game. You know, you may get like, you know, Vikings in a season. Assuming it goes on for multiple seasons, you could have some yeah. quite drastic it changes. It would be awesome to have each season be in a different part yeah. of time and a different area of the world and a different type of classical mythology they're drawing it from. But again, that means you can't reuse anything. So we're making it more expensive for them. But yeah. it's, there's such a huge amount of material in those games. It, it covers such a vast amount of different things that you, there's loads of stuff that they can cherry pick from. And it has a, a deep layered storyline, interesting characters. I mean, again, just look up some of the cosplays for things like the Assassin's Creed series. It's something that has a lot of love for it out there. And yeah, just such a, a deep and rich history that I think it is perfectly possible to make a really good series out of that. I think that Netflix is probably the right way to do it. I think it's just going to be another one of those things that's going to be cost versus viewership. They need that first mm. season to really bring in the money and bring in viewers or it's going to be one of those ones that's just going to be like this is too expensive to take another risk on but yeah, yeah I think it could work hopefully it does yeah I mean we don't know exactly what approach they're going to take it, it would make sense to me if they moved the history each season you could move the history each episode I guess but I mean that makes it even more expensive it would make sense if they're maybe following like the games you have you know, one set in, in one particular era and then it moves to another I mean, they've done everything from like crusades to, to pirates to French Revolution to classic Greece to, well, as I say, the latest one, which is Vikings. So I'm extremely interested to see what they end up deciding to do with this and also how they handle the other bit of it, because as well as the stuff that's you know all set in the past there is of course the current mm. future tech stuff which they abandoned at one point a little bit in the game you know there, there was uh, that it was sort always... of became just slightly background for a bit didn't it it's like yeah yeah that, that's the thing that's happening but you know that's not the bit that you're enjoying so we'll just kind of not mention it for a while yeah. i think that they could use that in order to allow them to jump around from different time zones and things you i mean you could approach this as a kind of an anthology type thing exploring different storylines and different places and different times or you could make it each season exploring a different timeline and set of mm. events and things like that it's really quite a vast world to be drawing from and i think of all the kind of games to series adaptations i, I think it's one of those ones that has a good chance of succeeding in the same way as the witcher did yeah i would hope so i mean the witcher of course was a mixture of they always say they didn't really base it on the games they based it more on the book but i mean there are 
are elements mm. from yeah, both. Yeah, they, they were definitely, and a lot of the fan base it brought in would have been people that played the game. So exactly. even though they were looking at, the, at an adaptation of the book, they were still tapping into that game fan audience because the Witcher series is amazingly popular and, and longstanding. Mm. So it kind of allowed them to tap into multiple kind of fan bases. So I can see them trying to do a similar thing with this. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, they have tried this obviously once before in 2016. They tried a movie version, but I, I think it's too big a thing to be able to try and contain in one film. That was never going to work, you know, because the games themselves are enormous and epic. And then you've got all the different areas that you can go in the games and you just can't cover that in a movie. Yeah, the film was fun. Yeah. But they had to really strip out a lot of plot. They just went for fun. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I think that if they can, uh, if they can say focus one season on each different era and do it that way, that would be a really interesting way of doing it. Ubisoft themselves are involved. Ubisoft actually have a head of film and television, which I never realised, but uh, they, they have a head of film and television. It is them that are actually doing it. They're involved with it. So, um, yeah, you know, I'm really intrigued to see what they what they bring and what they decide, how they're going to construct this and uh, how it goes together. So, um, yeah, I, I think this is a good call. Definitely could work as a series and uh, it'll be live action as well. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really interested for this. I mean, I've, I've bit, dipped a bit in and out of the Assassin's Creed games, so I'm not a massive, massive fan of the games, but I've enjoyed the ones that I've played. They could be a bit hit and miss for me sometimes. I enjoyed the uh, the pirate one, Black Flag, a lot, and uh, I'm quite tempted by Valhalla, the new one. And I like the original as well. So we'll uh, we'll have to wait and see. But uh, yeah, certainly if you're a costume designer or if you're a stunt guy, I think you're going to really want to be involved on this. Yeah, it would be a good, fun one to be, to be making. Yeah, definitely. Meanwhile, flipping back over onto uh, Disney, they think they may have found their Moonlight. Moonlight's a new series which is coming as a sort of live-action Marvel series to Disney+. Apparently, Oscar Isaac is in negotiation to take the lead role as Moon Knight. If you don't know Moon Knight, it features a character called Mark Spector, who was an ex-CIA agent who finds himself working as a mercenary in Egypt for a terrorist named Bushman. When the pair stumble across an archaeological dig full of valuables, Bushman turns on Spectre and leaves him for dead. Crawling into a nearby ancient tomb, Spectre is saved by an ancient deity. After smashing Bushman's operation, he returns to New York, creating a costume hero, Moon Knight, aka the Fist of Conchu. To distance himself from his past, Spectre invents two new personalities or identities, a millionaire called Steve Grant and a cab driver called Jake Lockley. However, he finds himself struggling with those multiple personalities and his amoral inclinations. So it's not a character I know, Moon Knight. I don't know whether you've read any of these. Moon Knight is generally your first thing that people were going to say is that originally people just said Marvel wanted their own Batman. Mm. We have a guy who has a kind of, you know, amongst his different sort of alter egos that he utilizes. One of them is a millionaire. Yes. One of them is a moon knight, you know, a, yes. a, a dark knight, one could say, out in, in the dark. Um, yes. He also has projectile type weapons right. and gadgets and like boomerang type things. So that's generally a lot of the conversation that comes up to start with is that was he just designed to be Batman. Marvel's yeah. answer to, to, to Batman? Because obviously these companies did have a lot of back and, and forth with these kinds of things. Um, but the character has been through a lot of evolutions and changes because he's been around since the, the mid-70s, uh, yes. I believe. So he's been around for quite a long time. He's gone through a lot of different evolutions and changes and rewrites over time. So, um, yeah, I don't know what they will go for. Presumably they're going to pick up from some of the later, the more recent kind of uh, versions of the comics and things like, you know, the 90s or 2000s type ones. I've not read any of the recent stuff, but yeah, he's very much still a character and, and, and still going at the moment, but he's never kind of had that same level of success and what sort of wider recognition. It's a character that's known very much in the comic book scene, but your average TV viewer 
unlike someone like Batman, Superman, X-Men, you know, it's unlikely yeah, yeah. to have uh, to have heard of Moon Knight. So I'm interested to see how that's going to get picked up and or if that's a plus or a uh, a minus for the success of the series and the direction they're going to take it in. Yeah, I'm I'm really intrigued by because I mean I'm a huge Batman fan anyway. So the idea of a sort of dark tortured hero kind of thing I think works quite well and uh, I'd be yeah. interested to see their take he on sometimes it. has superpowers and sometimes doesn't depends on what version of the history you're using so right. I don't know if we, this is a superhero series or a, you know Something maybe else. we'll use the word detective I don't know just randomly <laughs> to describe <laughs> what he does so yeah that will be another interesting one as well because I think definitely without superpowers just using gadgets you get a lot more of those Batman kind of yeah, comparisons vibe. as well yeah yeah. Um, I mean, Oscar Isaacs, of course, he's, he's not unknown to Disney, uh, having played Poe Dameron in a bunch of Star Wars movies. That's no great shock that he's uh, he's possibly up for this role. He's a solid actor, I think. I can see him playing this sort of character quite well. I mean, the way I look at it is I could kind of see him do Batman, so I could see him do this, if you say that there is some similarity between the two. He's so, got a cape. Yeah. He's, he's got like a, um, uh, like a crescent movie moony kind of logo on his chest he goes out at night um yeah, you know. yeah. so um so yes yeah, <laughs> it'll work yeah i i could definitely see him uh doing this he is certainly the less well known of the uh ones they've announced so far because i mean even miss marvel which is one of the other new shows coming up i think people know the miss marvel character a bit better there's she hulk as well which even if you don't know the character directly i mean everybody knows hulk so yeah that kind one of kind of right itself yeah. miss marvel's never been a character that's i'm surprised how much like miss marvel type characters keep getting used at the moment because as far as i'm aware from a comic book perspective she was never really that loved but i guess it's an interesting different sort of yeah they're, they're trying to make a bunch of different kind of tv shows and they may be slightly limited into in what they can do with female leads because of there are less female marvel characters possibly which has always been a bit of a criticism of them so uh, yeah, maybe they... there are some really strong, iconic ones, but I guess some of those are wrapped up in other licenses exactly. they can't hook into for you TV know. shows. Yeah, uh, or they've already ruined their plot lines with the X Men movies. Well, um, yes. So there is that. I think She Hulk will definitely, you know, I think that's got good potential to be a really good series. Although I'm going immediately going to shut up because I thought One Division sounded like a terrible idea until I saw the trailer, and now it's one of the shows I'm looking forward to the most. So um, I. Yeah, I, I should probably keep my predictions to myself after just like saying oh, I don't think I'm going to eat. I don't, you know, don't think I'm going to care about one division. And now it's probably up there with one of the things I'm most looking forward to, apart from obviously the Loki series, which uh, yes. will be perfect, 100% perfect, <laughs> even if it isn't. So yeah, and the castings for things have looked. I mean, Tatiana Mani, yeah. amazing actress, bringing her into 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 She Hulk. Yeah. Um, I should should preface that by saying she's currently denying that, but. Um, really? Oh. But all the reports I've seen it from even some of the most reputable trades are still listing her as being the person that's cast as it. She is publicly denying it at the moment, but... Let's hope that's for NDA reasons, because she'd be yeah, perfect. If they've cast somebody else in that role at this point, there's going to be huge amounts of disappointment, because I've never seen a more positive reaction to the casting of, a, of somebody for a role. I rather suspect that that's possibly because maybe everything isn't signed or she's been told to keep quiet it is marvel after all i do wonder whether there's going to be a big announcement because none of these like they've announced uh, the newcomer for miss marvel apart from they haven't announced it that's been leaked the moon knight casting was also something that was leaked it was leaked from fairly reputable sources again but all three of them haven't been official marvel announcements so i do wonder whether they've all been told to shut the hell up until until they actually have got everybody cast and they can announce that transfer yeah, show which together. Which is fair enough, but I do yeah. really hope that that yeah. does turn out to be the case. Or if they haven't cast anyone yet, cast her. Yeah. She'd be phenomenal in yeah, that role. Because I, I literally, I, the amount of positive feedback I saw when it, she was the name that was attached to She-Hulk, I've never seen a more positive reaction to something, so I yeah. really well, hope that that is the case. Fans are clamouring to see her in more things. I have yeah. been so shocked after her absolutely incredible I mean she eventually won some awards didn't she for, yes, for, yes. for Orphan Black
black and just what a way to just explode onto the scene just showing that you can act that well that range under difficult circumstances having to act against yourself she's amazing and I was expecting her to immediately start getting attached to the Hollywood movie projects and things after that and she seemed to, to just kind of not um, yeah she's done a so, couple of she's done a couple of films and uh, she was in the Perry Mason series as well which got quite a lot of um, plaudits and stuff but um, I mean she is listed as being Jennifer Walters in She-Hulk on IMDb but yeah um, she's title character material anything yeah. else is just wasting her at this point she, uh, yeah, she needs to have her own films and her own series and I'd love for that to be a title I like <laughs> such yeah. as She-Hulk yeah I, I think she would be she's absolutely perfect for it so uh, it'd be I, as I say a lot of the sources that had put the name out there have stuck very hard by it I, I'm not talking about some of the more disreputable people that put these sort of information out these are things like Variety and Hollywood Reporter and those sort of places are the people that were announcing this it wasn't some dubious little website that does it for clickbait you know the, these were the proper trade things that were saying this is who yeah we think it is so I rather suspect they're right it may just be a case of that things aren't signed or they've been told to keep quiet by Marvel because they like to announce things all in one go but I am really looking forward to some of this stuff we've got One Division coming in December then we've got Falcon Winter Soldier and Loki both coming in 2021 then these will be sometime after that so we don't know when but they will be coming sometime after that definitely definitely looking forward to it the uh, writer on Moonlight by the way there's no director set but the writer is Jeremy Slater who worked on the Umbrella Academy so make of that what you will that's a good sign yeah I love the writing of the the Umbrella Academy big fan of that show and bring some of that witty dialogue and zaniness and things because the Umbrella Academy has gone off in a you know in in lots of ways in a very different direction to the to the comic book even though it has the same DNA so that's a lot of that writing is the the writers of the of the of the Netflix show rather than straight out the comic book and I'm interested to see what they will do with a series like Moon Knight yeah me too I'm very interested in that and I I adored the Umbrella Academy so uh, yeah I think that's all sounding quite good we'll see where it lands and when it lands and hopefully we'll get some official Marvel announcements about those casts as well so that's all the news we've got for this week let's move on to some highlights for next week on TV So, highlights for next week. There's only a couple of shows starting, but there are some big ones. Trackers is one series which is starting on Sky Atlantic. That's on the 6th of November at 9pm. It's adapted from uh, some acclaimed crime novels. It's uh, three stories collide explosively in Cape Town in an action-packed thriller featuring organised crime, smuggling diamonds, state security, black rhinos, CIA, and an international terrorist plot. So, uh, it sounds quite like it could be quite good fun, that, but that's called trackers that's in sky atlantic on the 6th of november at 9 p.m if you're into your documentaries there's the vow which is being very talked about this is the documentary revolving around the cult nixium this is the cult that um chloe from smallville got in- herself involved with alison mack and uh, is p- probably going to end up in prison for being involved with they've just sentenced the guy that ran the cult for like 120 years in the US so it's a weird and bizarre story but uh, there is a documentary definitely on that. and probably will come with some content warnings because I've I've looked a bit yeah. into some of the things that happened around the court case and the allegations and people speaking out so yeah that's not going to be an easy documentary no. to watch for, no. for quite a few people because some of that stuff is you yeah. sort of like surely not surely this is exaggerated surely this isn't the case and uh, the fact it was all happening kind of an involving and pulling in Hollywood people at that higher level and uh, nobody knew at the time yeah. Um, yeah very scary stuff yeah it's a really odd and bizarre story but uh, it dives sort of into the uh, into the whole cult so um, that's coming to Sky Documentaries on the 7th of November it's called The Vow and that'll be 7th of November at 9pm on Sky Documentaries if you want to go and catch that His Dark Materials returns for its second season that's on BBC One on the 8th of November at 8.10 this of course is the second season of the Philip Pullman epic fantasy trilogy of novels first season was fun enough uh, second season will continue that I'm sure and everybody that's a fan of that I'm sure will go and watch it so that is back on the 8th of November and uh, lastly Industry 
which is a new show. I think it's a co-production between the BBC and HBO. That's landing on the 10th of November at 9.15. It's a drama which follows a group of young graduates competing for a limited number of permanent positions at a leading investment bank. It looks like it's going to be quite an interesting show. It is a drama. It's going to be lots of kind of backstabbing and intrigue in this sort of finance world. I think if you like something like Billions, this is probably up your street as well. But uh, yeah, that's called Industry. That's 10th of November at 9.15 if you want to go and watch that. So uh, that's all the stuff we've got for this week. Uh, You're streaming again. Where when are you streaming? You can find me on twitch.tv slash Tristabytes, where I talk almost daily about all kinds of geek things from comic book, movies, computer games, TV. Sometimes we play some games, retro games, bit of Chrono Trigger, bit of uh, your suggestions for sort of specky and C64 content. And I'm quite often terrified in Dead Space as well with uh, hilarious consequences. Plus, I interviewed recently the awesome John Studley, one of only eight people in the world to have a perfect Pac-Man game. And that audio is being passed over to Geek Town. So that will go up as a podcast interview in the next couple of weeks as well. Yes. So look out for that. That will be going up on the uh, Behind the Scenes podcast. So you can go check that out. If you want to find other people involved in the show, you can uh, also go and find Matt, who is over on entertainmenttalk.org and have lots of podcasts over there. He's uh, We're doing Walking Dead well beyond weekly. He's also doing Fear the Walking Dead as well and a bunch of other shows. So go and check that out over there. For us, of course, if you want to find out more information, you can go to geektown.co.uk throughout the week for all the latest air date information. If you want to get in touch with your questions or comments, email us on podcast at geektown.co.uk. Leave a message on the website post. Find us at Geektown on Twitter, on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash geektown, on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash geektown, and on Instagram at geektown UK. I hope everybody stay safe if we go into another lockdown. Make sure you're all wearing your masks. If you're in America, good luck. <laughs> I think we'll just leave it there. See you next week. Bye bye. Bye. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.